Thank you, Delma. We are sons of the living God. We are not French. This is why I now explain very quickly before I'm in a hole. A culture of a nation is not to take responsibility. The job needs doing. I don't want to do it, but I don't like it when Dave does it. When you and I become accountable together, and I continually encourage you as long as today is called today, and you encourage me, we will get the job done. But when I think it's not my responsibility to ask Dave how he's doing, then guess what? Dave will just drift. I'll just drift. Six months go by. Nothing changes. We have a spiritual culture. We are not French. We are kingdom. Amen. Are we family this morning? Yes. Well, some of it. Do you know, we've already had discussions over this last weekend about family. Not always the best thing. But are we family this morning? Yes. Yeah. Okay, right. So we've made a statement on the last two times we've ministered. And that is, don't bear with me. Yeah, I'm glad to see that that's working. Don't bear with me. Build with me this morning. You might have wondered why when we start the first song and then we stop it and we turn around and say, okay, right, why don't you go and tell somebody else what God's been doing in your life? You make that connection. Why do we do that? We're not filling time. We're not trying to find something different to do. There is no ping in the room. So when God says, okay, I'm ministering my grace and I'm talking about my grace and nothing comes back from you guys, then we have to put you in an environment where you speak to yourself, even if you're going, hello, my name's Derek and I'd like to introduce myself. This is what God said. It starts to remind you and sets the spiritual turbine working. We will not just let days go by we are not holding the fort. We are not waiting for Pastor Tony and the rest of the musicians to turn up. Why? Because we are not. Thank you, Chris. So that's it. What's the uh, French national anthem, Andy? The Marseille. We'll all start that next week. We are not French. We are kingdom. Amen. So we have a responsibility to bring him in and to build him a throne. For the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. So if you go, it's a bit rubbish this morning, guess what? It's your fault. It ain't my fault. It's not Pat's fault. It's your fault. Because if you don't bring him in, it's not my job to keep on pumping to try and get everything changing. Amen? We have a responsibility. Because we are not... Okay. If you are a French speaker, please, I am not being disrespectful to you this morning, but adjunct Amen. <laughs> Bless God. Okay, we ready to go? Then we'll come around the word. I said to Andy yesterday, we uh, had a, a meal with friends, and I said, this morning, I'm kind of prepared and everything's all built, but I'm not sure if it will leave us with more questions than it will answers. And Andy said, that's all right. You can have more questions than answers, so because Andy said yes, I'm all right. So if anybody's got any problem this morning, speak directly to Andy, and he will fill in all the gaps. So before we start, David, you're free. Can everybody else stand up, please? Because we are going to make our prophetic declaration. 
I'll make the declaration. If you agree with me at the end, you can say amen. Is that all right? Okay. Today, the enemy will not steal the seed that is sown in my life. Today, the cares of life will not choke the seed within me. Today, immaturity will not reduce the seed. Today, I am good soil and my life will produce a harvest. Today, I have broken my unplowed ground. I pray that the Holy Ghost sends his rain from heaven and waters the seed. Today, if I have not produced fruit before, then give me 30. If I've been 30-fold, let me be 60. And if I've been 60, let me be 100. Today, cause my life to work with and not against your seed. Today, let the seed flourish in any and every environment. And the people of God said, Amen. Amen. Okay. Amen. Now, you'll remember a few weeks ago, Pastor Tony was telling the story and uh, using as the context Isaiah. And he said from Isaiah, the way the Lord turned around and said to Isaiah, that you will minister for so many years and people will not respond to your word. Just letting you know, up front, I've got a pointy stick this morning and I'm not afraid to use it, okay? I'm not Isaiah and I do expect a response. I'm not looking to stroke my ego. I'm saying that as God sows his word on what we're declaring, there should be something. And she said to herself, amen. So let the amen be found in your own hearts. Is that okay? I'm going to give you a very, very quick, brief synopsis of where we was last time. We spoke about coming to faith. And in that, we started to declare that the Lord had shown us, I'd shown myself, that the Dream Center had been a prophetic womb where he had sown word after word, and the seed had gone into the womb. But as yet, to this moment in time, the baby had not been produced. And we looked and said there wasn't a problem with the seed or the ovaries producing into the womb. The sperma had not met the seed to bring the desired outcome. Does that remember? And Mel looked at me and she said, yes, I had got all of my biology right, so we was okay. I wasn't in error in any way. God is sowing seeds into this womb, but he is waiting for the sperma to meet the seed that a baby may be produced. Because we said, what has been delaying our tree of Tameside? What has been delaying today living the days of heaven on earth? What has been delaying our Zion explosion? And the key out of all of it that came through was that the issue was we'd come to belief, but we had not yet come to faith. It says this in Jeremiah 1, 4. It says, the word of the Lord came to me. What do you see, Jeremiah? I see a branch of an almond tree, replied, uh, replied the Lord, said to him, you have seen correctly, for I am watching to see that my word is fulfilled. Very quick couple of points here. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, but God asked him, what did he see? David says, one thing you have said, two things I heard. There are two elements of you that must come into a line. Your spirit and your soul, your natural mind, must come into agreement. He says to him, you've seen correctly. If you've seen correctly, then it's possible to see incorrectly. If you can't see it, you can't build it. All of these things, you can grab it back off the audios. The next point was, I am watching to see that my word is fulfilled. God's not bored, sat in heaven, throwing out words willy-nilly, hoping that someday, somewhere, somebody will catch on. 
He's looking to see that his word, word is fulfilled in and through you and I. When you don't see clearly, you don't always come to faith. You can believe, but I don't come to faith. Pat used this morning the great psalm of Psalm 103, that you have healed all of my diseases. And I can believe that Jesus Christ still heals today. But have I got the faith to say that he comes to me today? Oh, it's underwhelming response. I believe that God heals. I believe that there is healing in the atonement, that his blood paved the way. But do I have faith to say that that meant me? That I'm absolutely covered by and brought under those promises of what God is saying? Because there is a distinct difference between belief and faith. Yes? I want to clarify something. I was giddy last time. Don't mind being giddy. Giddy's all right. But I'm clarifying something this morning. Remember when you've seen some of these old TV programs and they turn around and says, the identity of certain individuals may have been changed to protect that person. Yes? Well, last time we started to show you and tell you about the testimony that God has been building in the background. Is that fair? And I started to tell you, and I put it in the context of coming from belief to faith. And how God had been doing something in my life and changing my position to see something as I work through. Is that right? Now, what I said was, some of the things of our testimony, we cannot tell you. Not because we cannot tell you, but on wisdom and advisement, we're not going to tell you because our testimony could actually hinder you more than it will bless you, which is a shame. Because I'm telling you, we've got a really good testimony. But we're only bringing out a fraction, okay? There are people that I know and that Kevin and I know who are personal to our lives, who know more of this testimony than you might. And you're thinking, well, you're feeling like you're tormenting me now, you're teasing me. All you need to go that when we talk about covered by your grace and your mercy and you have opened a door, you're looking at a testimony. One day, I will tell you, when we've all matured a bit more. Is that all right? But what I did in this, I spoke from my position. And the reason I spoke from my position because this very nice, handsome young man wasn't in the room, and I can't make eye contact with him. Because we make an agreement when we're together, this is what we'll say, and this is what we won't say, because what it is, it's private, okay? So when he's not here to catch an eye, I can only talk about me, because last time I spoke, we hadn't even discussed the fact that I might drop this into the midst. The door opened, and I got giddy and just started speaking. So let me just clarify something in here, okay? The testimony hasn't changed. But if in any way it's misconstrued that all of this blessing that God is pouring upon us and how things are changing is all down to superhero Phil, then that is completely wrong. Kevin and I build together. We seek God together. We pray about the same things. We sow into our business. I'm not spiritual and Kev's tagged on. 
there are two elements. Am I further down the line than Kev? Yes, because that's just called, I've been around longer. We are building together, we're growing together. But after listening to the audio back, if it was misconstrued in any way, that there's me and God's blessing me, oh, and we've got Kev, that cannot and is not further from the truth. Okay? So this morning, publicly, I clarify my position with Kev that my life is better with him than it is without him and God places together for a reason. Is that okay? Now, most of you might not have even thought that, might not have even had an inkling of, I can't even remember what you said. But after hearing, I clarify for his benefit, if not for yours. Yes? Because we grow together, we build together. Is that okay? But God is doing some good stuff. And I still want to tell you, even though I can't. The sooner the better. But guess what? It's, and again, I don't want to over-egg the pudding. I'm not over-egging the pudding. Please, please, please. This is on the council from Pastor Tony. That when he found out and we told him and we share and we're undercovering, we tell Tony about what's happening in our business. We don't just run here, there, and because when we want him to pray into our business, we're accountable both ways. And it is some individual's immaturity that might be caused to have an issue. So as we change, then maybe things will come along, okay? So I'm sorry if I've just got cryptic again. I don't want to be cryptic. Um, but all I can say is this, and I think Kev did a calculation last week, and his calculations are always better than mine. But what we have just done and signed up for, we are now two days into, because he started on the 1st of August, is 20 times bigger than anything we have touched ever before in almost 10 years of working together. Not a little bit. It's like this. But if you want to tap us up for a loan, no. <laughs> if you want to tap us up and say, can you just... No. Please, hear us. God is doing some great things. But what God does for us, he can also do for the immutability of God. When God opens a door for one, it's a pathway for us to help show you how to do something and moving forward. Amen? And we are but the forerunners for what will come behind us. And if you think we're settling for we've just done something 20 times bigger, we're not. We're not at all. So let's move on. Okay? We're talking about coming to faith. But this morning we're going to start twisting it around a little bit. Because just as I was praying this week, I felt more clarity in the Holy Ghost. And the clarity came like this. The Father commissions a move on the face of the earth. And when the Father commissions a move, he puts the Holy Spirit on alert. And the Holy Spirit carries his heart, carries the message, and starts to move and stir the hearts of men and women on the face of the earth. The Holy Spirit knows exactly what the Father wants to see accomplished. 
And he begins to, as we said, minister and pull on the hearts of people. Men are raised, messages are catched and caught, and ministries are birthed. And the end result from all of this is always the same thing, a people movement. So God moves on his throne. His heart is revealed, caught by the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost starts to minister into the hearts of men and women. Men and women start to catch it. They begin to carry a message. And that message becomes the ministry, the life that they carry. And the end result is always a people movement. So the Holy Spirit at this moment in time, we're bouncing around a bit. The Holy Spirit at this moment in time is stirring the hearts of men. I say again, the Holy Ghost is stirring the hearts of men. This is where I felt a greater level of clarity this week. I was just praying and something dropped in and that light bulb, Holy Ghost moment comes back on board. Now, I've not researched this. I can't back it up. It's just what I feel in my spirit and I've caught something deep down inside me in this moment is that there is a re-emphasis globally across the world towards the Great Commission. There is a re-emphasis globally towards the Great Commission. But now it's a Great Commission with clarity and with purpose. Because the Great Commission is not about saving souls. Oh, go on, you can quote to me the scripture. It's God's heart that none should perish and all come to the glory of him. God's heart is not that all mankind is saved. I'm ready. You can throw your stones. I'm good. I'm good. I've got my riot gear on. God's heart is that all of mankind comes to know him. But because God lives in eternity, knows the past, present, and future, he knows that all of mankind will not turn towards him. That's why we have the back of the book called Revelation, and we see how the nations turn against him. The heart of God with the Great Commission is that a group of people will rise, that salvation pushes beyond salvation, and that there is transformation of cities and nations. Am I speaking here this morning? Salvation is bigger than just me. Salvation is that as people groups catch it, cities are transformed and nations are transformed. That there is discipleship of nations, not just discipleships as me as an individual. The kingdom of this world will become the kingdom of our Lord and his Christ. The Father is not looking for converts, the churches. The Father is looking for disciples. And the Holy Ghost, when we talked about the dream center being a spiritual womb, has been sowing seeds that says this, build me, prepare for me, create here in Drolsden, Tamesign, that wonderful land of Manchester, prepare for me a discipleship school. Why is there a discipleship school? Because there is going to be such a move towards the great commission of people coming in and connecting to purpose. They'll want to be trained, equipped, and released back into the glorified harvest field. Not for the glory 
of the Dream Center. God is bigger than, I'm sorry, this might rain on your parade a little bit. God is bigger than you, and God is bigger than the Dream Center. But God is turning around. If you take any of the words that God has said and start to use your bit of spiritual Lego or stickle bricks, if you're old enough, those of us who are old enough, stickle bricks, where everything just, thanks, Cheryl, there's somebody in there apart from me, stickle bricks, when they start to come together, and God starts to say, right, I am building houses that will be a fragrance to me. I'm building houses where my glory will be seen. I'm building houses that will be lights on a hill. I'm building houses. It is not from one house, but from many houses across this nation, across Europe and across the world, where God, by his Holy Ghost, is stirring the hearts of men with a message. And Pastor Tony put it in the great way, in the easiest way, condensed version, which I always like. God is looking for game changers. And in the game changers, it's not just so. How big can it be before we have to take that wall out? God is looking for city and nation transformation. But it starts with you and I. So let's give you the briefest two-minute history that I can condense for you. But I'm going to show you game changers. Pastor Tony started. I'm not going to rain on his parade. I'm going to keep this nice and tight. Is that all right? But Pastor Tony started to bring us on the page about Martin Luther, did he not? Now, for those of us who's ever read a Bible, you realize that from Malachi to Matthew, there's 400 years. They call it the silent years. There's 400 years when God does not speak. After 200 years of the early church, there is 1,300 years when God doesn't speak. 1,300 years. Now, will there be men catching something? Is God still on the throne? Yes. Is there, there is only me? No, there's never only you. God has people prepared all over the world, but it looks like God is not doing anything. There is not a people movement on the, on the face of the earth. So in 1500, Martin Luther comes along, and there is a people movement, and that is salvation by grace. Thank you, Pat. Salvation by grace through faith. For 1,300 years, that truth had been lost to the church because I have to work my way. I have to buy my way. If you do your church history, the letters that went out when the Catholic Church was looking to expand across Europe and the world was this, is that there were men like agents, with sailed agents, who went out like double-glazing salesmen, and David would have a box with papers in, each one side by the Pope. And the, the promise went like this. As soon as your money hits the coffers, your dead relatives are out of hell and will be put before him because I am the gateway to God. You know it still goes on today, don't you? We don't shout about it, but it still goes on today. So we said 400 years, 1,300 years of God saying nothing. Then you will find historically Every hundred years, a people move. 1600s, hundreds, the evangelical move came on. Water baptism was restored to the church. The 1700s, the holiness movement, sanctification, the church and the state were separated. The 1800s was the faith movement. It was only in the 1800s that somebody says, Christ can heal you. 1,700 years after the church, 
somebody went, you know, I've been reading this book, and there's actually healing in this. So when we're declaring Psalm 103 this morning, that he sent forth his word, and he healed my diseases, the church did not believe it was for you. These are things we think have always been around. 200 years healing back into the church. In the 1900s, the Pentecostal movement, it was only 100 years ago that people were filled with the Holy Ghost. What you and I take for granted every day is less than 120 years old. Well, thank you for your underwhelming response. My diligent work in the field here to try and give you some church history. A hundred years, every hundred years, God invaded the scene. Bang. Bang. And what was been established in the early church is now brought back into the light. But it took a man, a message, and a movement to bring it out. So when the man and the Holy Ghost falls in Azusa Street and people start speaking in tongues, where was the second place that the Holy Ghost fell? Sunderland. A backwater called Sunderland that when you look now and think Sunderland, they've got a rubbish football team, is all we know about Sunderland. It used to be coal mining and shipbuilding and different stuff. In an industrial part of the UK, the Holy Ghost fell for the second time. It only fell in one place in the States. The next one was us. And what we take for granted every day, the power to speak in tongues, turn it on, turn it off, work with it. Come on, Dave, let's start your engine. All those things, less than 120 years. How something becomes culture right across the body of Christ. We might not all accept it, but it's now acceptable culture. People movements. But then God starts to change the time frame. Now we get to 1950. So instead of 100 years, we're now on 50 years. And in 50 years, the evangelical movement was birthed. Do you know what that was? In 1950s, again, ask Google. If you don't ask Phil, ask Google. Enormous tent ministries where people went into streets where, you know, there was tents Tents in the states that people use for evangelical meetings that are bigger than some of our modern-day football stadiums. Tents that held over 30,000 people that would be on the road and be in one town for six months and be full every night. And you would see the outbreak of signs and wonders as the evangelists came into town. Before we'd only known the minister or the pastor or the vicar, the one-man ministry. But all of a sudden on the scene, it was no longer the pastor. The evangelist broke out. So we've moved to 50 years. But then God says, but I'm stirring the hearts of people. So now we go every 10 years. So now we get to 1960, the charismatic movement. The restored truths of the past were now acceptable into the modern-day church. So all of a sudden, people didn't say, I'm a Pentecostal, and we just do Pentecostal things. They took the faith movement. They took evangelism. They took water baptism. They took the New Testament pattern and started to bring it back into life. 1970s, because you can see the clock's ticking down. The true faith movement turned up. And the true faith movement was, 
the teaching ministry was re-established into the body of Christ. Now, for those of us who've been around long enough, I wasn't, let you off. For those who've been around long enough, you would have seen that before 1970, there was the odd person who would teach a little bit. But in the 70s, there seemed to be an explosion of people that could teach in the body. And people, houses would pack up and go to Methodist Hall in Manchester because there was a Bible teacher. Now, again, for those of us who are sad and old and have been around a bit longer than you, we did those things. There'd be a Pawson turn up or there'd be somebody and we'd go, right, there'd be a Roger Price, somebody who was a Bible teacher. All churches would close and go and listen to the Bible teacher. Why? Because there wasn't any before. People would teach and minister, but it wasn't the gift that was evident in the body of Christ. 1980s, the prophetic movement broke out. And the prophetic movement and prophetic ministry was restored. And the empowering of the body. Teach everyone to prophesy. So we go, okay, right, Chris, we've got prophetic presbytery now. Now this is it. This is how God speaks. And I teach Chris how God speaks. There is already full of the Holy Ghost. And I start to show him that God has been speaking to him continually, but he's never joined the dots. So not only is the guys who turn around and say, we're the Kansas City prophets. So, Pat, I'm just phoning you up and I've just told you that you got out of the shower and you dried your left leg before you dried your right leg. Right, great, that's called a bit of smoke and mirrors and letting you know I do something that you don't. But the prophetic ministry exploded onto the scene. Again, for those of us who've been around church history, apart from the odd Flintstones moment when somebody was in church and went yabba-dabba-doo, how much prophecy was there around? Very little. But then if we turn around and said, right, Chris is the person in the dream center who can prophesy, so we all wait for Chris. But the people movement went, right, now it's going to be M. Now it's going to be Kev. Now it's going to be Dave. Now it's going to be Eric. That each one was empowered to do, not hold the mantle of a prophet, but each, word, each one could bring the word that lifted up, built up, cheer up. And that is the platform that we give you every week. And why did we give you a platform? Because we're not. You'll get it. 1990s. Saw the birth, the movement, and the impetus on the world of the return of the apostolic. The apostolic was able to restore and draw together all of the strings in the spirit about what God had been doing and pull together blueprints for the corporate church that didn't turn around and say, I am God's answer to the world. They turned around and said, right, these are the blueprints. This is what God's doing in a nation. This is how we garner and gather Groups of people together and networks were formed. Connections were formed. Why? Because the church is bigger than us. And it isn't about, can I, I'll let you into a little secret. The church is not about Jonathan David. Jonathan David is not the one I pray to at the end of each night. In the morning when something's happening, I don't drop to my knees and say, oh Lord, Jonathan David. There is only one man on the throne. The man, Christ Jesus. But there is somebody that God had released to the body that helped us understand the blueprints. So when Paul says, 
You might not have seen Christ, but you have seen me. Follow my example. I might not have seen Christ, but when somebody's making something work on the ground, I can go, right, well, this is where I can glean and draw from Chris. Do you know why? Because I'm not stupid enough to know and think I've got all the answers. So if Chris knows what I've not got, I'm going to ask Chris. If you don't know when you don't ask Chris, your fault, but I'm asking Chris. For those of us many years ago, and it's, it is many years ago, when we did all our teaching on finance and we encouraged everybody to read a copy of The Richest Man in Babylon, there was a statement that was made, don't ask a blacksmith to buy diamonds for you. But if you want to know how the man changed his life, ask the man. So when there are people who do what I can't do, I'm not going to sit here and throw stones. I'm going to ask you. And if we set up in our heart to encourage each other as long as today's called today, we'll get the job done. Is that all right? So what comes next? So what comes next? God has moved 1,300 silence. Every 100 years, God explodes on the scene. Get to the 1950s. Every decade, God breaks on the scene. What comes next? You do. You do. When Christ restores the Ephesians 4 gift back to the church for empowering the saints to do the work of the ministry, guess whose job it's next? I think we need convince. You know, I had to have a word with myself on this one. You know, one of Phil's famous sayings, Dave, have a word with yourself. It was Phil, you better have a word with yourself. Because when you actually see it in its context, the next movement and the people movement is you and me. Because God says, I build everything and put all of the building blocks in place to make this work. What's now missing is laborers for the harvest. And all the time I'm going, it's all right, because Chris, Phil said Chris is really good. I'm waiting for Chris to be the one who moves in the harvest. But remember what we're doing. We're learning to come to faith. Is that all right? So let me quote you four scriptures. Don't turn to them, because I'm just going to quote them. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So how much can you please him without faith? Ephesians 5 tells us, find out. What pleases the Lord? So I'm called to inquire after him. In Luke 18, and verse 8, declares this. When the Son of Man returns, will he find faith? Will he find mums and tots? Is that what he's asking? Will he find your faithfulness? Will he find you in music practice? Will he find you painting your fence? He's asking for one thing. Will the Son of God find faith when he returns? But now he gets that wonderful scripture from James, don't we? Faith without works is... I say I have faith, you say you have works. I say my faith's great, you say your works are great. But what is it? My faith without works is rubbish, and your works without faith is useless. Both need to come together. Does that make common sense? But we said before that the dream center has become a spiritual womb. We've held on to those words that God has been sown in the spirit. 
But do you realize the very fact that we accept the word is only part of the journey? Do you know that? In Hebrews 4 and verse 2, it declares this. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit, it, profit them because they did not mix it with faith. When the word comes, it must be established and rooted in faith. Now, shall we be honest for a moment? We've all been in that position where a word has come to us and you've looked over your shoulder because God mustn't be speaking to you. He must be speaking to the one behind you. You never had that moment where that word comes and it's either a word you don't want to hear or the word comes that seems so big, you still go, it ain't me. Either he's got a squint because he's talking to me, but I think he must be really talking to somebody else because that word can't come to me. The f word that when it comes must be mixed with faith, even when I don't understand. See, because this is the key. The key is very, very simple. In Philippians 2, verses 12 to 13, it declares this. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it's God who works into you to will and to act to fulfill his good purpose. I must work out what he is working in. Can we get any more simpler than that? I need to work out what he is working in for the fulfillment of his purpose. Now, when we read at the beginning, we saw that God is watching his word to see that his word is fulfilled. So he turns around and says, I give you the word. Now you must work it out. Why? Because I have a purpose for my word. I wasn't bored. Now we've all done this. You've been sat there at home. You're somewhere. You've got nothing to do. I know it's different now. Maybe you're younger. You're tweeting. You're doing different bits and bobs. But you go like that. Who shall I call? And you look at, it's not Ghostbusters. And you, you flick through your phone. And you phone somebody, it's like, hiya, Chris. I don't want anything apart from I thought I'd talk to someone. Thank you, Kath. There's only me and Kath. Kath's the one I phone. She's the one. She's on my speed dial. God doesn't sit in, in the throne room and go in, I'm a bit bored. I've not talked to anybody today. Let's ring the dream center to see if anybody will answer. That might be us because we need connection. But God delivers his word into safe wombs, believing for a people to work out what he is working in because he's put all the rest of the pieces in place. Now, this is the scary bit. Chill, you won't like this bit. Because we talk about the power and the speed of change. And we look and we have our moments. We're saying chill because it's one of the standing kind of gags we have around authentic about going... We've got a new month and I didn't even get what came last month yet. You know, it's like that. You're trying to get so many things on board. Now you look at it, 1,300 years, every 100 years, 50 years, down to a decade, down to it almost seems every year God is placing a greater demand and the speed of change is increasing. Years and years ago, we had our transition from being a small business into a huge business. We're always part of it, but we had to be seen as being part of this huge 
um, multinational corporation that came out. And you know, the one thing as department heads and uh, managers, we were given this information, the information was managing the process of change. Because guess what? It's not the church, no one likes changing. And when something changes, we go, right, now what we've done, I'm, I'm here now from Human Resources, I'm just letting you know we've swapped the taps. Hot's no longer hot, it's cold, and cold's hot. Do you know how many people are going to complain to HR next week? Whoa, whoa, hang on a minute. I'm always used to the cold tap being on the left, and now you've made it on the right. Well, it's like we've swapped. Did your world change? No, but it's, I've got used to it always being on the left. So this is the key. We saw the return of the teacher, the evangelist, the prophet, the apostle, Pastor Tony. And we go, brilliant. God's going to do everything through them. And it's like, no, I don't think you quite read Ephesians 4. It's not their job to have a gold-colored jacket and tour the world. It's their job to raise you to do the work of the ministry. Oh, and guess what? It's taken me 500 years of restoring truth back to the church to get you on the page. But now you're on the page, we better start working out what he's working in. Three people are coming to faith, so it's all right. Now, remember, I said, I'm not Isaiah. So if you don't respond, I've still got a pointy stick. It don't matter. I can come after you. I'm not looking to provoke you this morning, but push past what's in here that says, I'm not talking to you. I'm not talking to you. He's talking to you. That we credit you for this is what you did. You received the word of the Lord as it is the word of the Lord. Thank you again. Helping my esteem greatly this morning. Do you know the great thing about God? He makes provision before you even know there's a need. God makes provision before you even realize there's a need. You know, in 2 Peter, it declares this. It says, his divine power has given me everything I need for life and God makes provision for the natural as well as the spiritual before you even knew it. Do you realize just in one moment you go, well, Phil, let's have one scripture that kind of clarifies that point. See, you get in on your little high horse this morning. Well, I'll just take Adam for a moment. God created a garden, created resources, put food in it, put animals in it, built a perfect environment, and then put Adam in. And then when he put Adam in, he turns around and goes, oh, guess what? And I think you need a mate because you're looking a funny way at that giraffe. You need a mate. Do you know there's something else in the psyche of building how God works? You will never, ever read in any translation of the Bible that Adam was lonely. God said he was alone. He never said he was lonely. You learn to fellowship with God. Oh, there we go. You learn to fellowship with God, to walk with God, to be comfortable in that environment. But God says, two are greater than one and have a better return for their labor and their harvest. Yes? Which puts us back into that place of, we need each other. 
let's get back to our introduction level this morning. I will tell by your faces, even though I don't want to see a show of hands, how many people spoke to somebody this morning that either you haven't spoken to before, you'd not spoke to for a long time, and you thought, I haven't a clue what your name is, so I'll just call you mate. <laughs> we'll let those faces tell their own story. I mean, I spent a lovely evening with my good friend Eric. Eric, by the way, new to the house. I went to school with Eric. We grew up together. We've not seen each other for a long time. But Eric, as part of his journey in God's life, had been to some huge mega churches. And in the mega churches, one of the things of why he didn't want to stay in a mega church was for a reason. I didn't know who was sat next to me. On a weekly basis, I am just a number on the roll sheet that when, you know, when you go into an event and somebody's just pressing the numbers, 400, 500, you were that number that was clocking in. God forbid that, I'm not even going to count how many people's here this morning, but if we say there's 60 adults in here, we can look around the room and go, Elijah's been sat here now for 10 years plus, and I don't know his name. Shame on us. If we're going to get anything done, we need people connection. You go, well, I don't do connection. Sort it out and have a word with yourself. Because it's not Elijah's problem. Do you know what's really sad? We said we're family this morning. I'm not going to, I've got a stick. I'm not going to beat you with it. But do you know what's really sad? When you'll see somebody sat in a coffee shop at a table on their own, waiting for someone to talk to them. Get off your blessed assurance and go and talk to somebody. Do you know why? I'm just letting you know. You, this might be new to some of you in here. We're allegedly friends. We're allegedly family, and we're allegedly all going in the same direction. So you might not like Man U, you might not like sport, and you might know nothing about computers, but you know something about something. And no one even said, have a spiritual conversation. Why don't you just turn around and start with, how's the tea? Would you, would you recommend a cheese ham and tuna panini? Well, not necessarily, no. Whichever way, why don't you just start a conversation? Because people need people. And if you sit in an environment that says, I don't need anybody else, you're in a scary place because you're the weird one. Your behavior is not natural, it's weird. So when we're talking about being natural with each other and flowing, and as soon as I start a conversation, Phil's weird antenna go up, look, go, Chris, you are a nutter. <laughs> Chris, he's not a nutter, but I've said he's a nutter. <laughs> I don't need to do another testament saying, last time I preached, I may have said that Chris was a... <laughs> Let's clarify some point. When we make connection with people, two sides of us kick in. You might not address this, but two sides kick in. A spiritual side and a natural side. There are times that I can make contact and say, shake hands with Dave, and something inside me goes, uh-oh, nothing's been said. But as deep calls to deep, inside me it goes, you're a nutter. <laughs> but their radar might be going, Do you know, you're a nutter. Remember, you're not always the same one in the room. Just letting you know that. 
I digress. We need each other. So we need to build together. And if there is a people movement, now remember, we are going to live a moment in history now. Two years ago, agents of change. It's all kicking off. We're having that night. We've got a building in the spirit. Tony's praying. He's declaring. He's got his arm up. And I find myself next to somebody that if I'm in a fight, it's somebody I'm going to shout. The little fellow over there, Andy. And we're together, and as we're together and we're pushing, all of a sudden, whether it was him to me, me to him, a bit of both, bit of bromance going on, I haven't a clue, what goes on, we link arms. And we link arms and we start declaring together. And then within what seemed to be a flash, everybody at the congregation, who was dream centerites, because anybody else who was here didn't, they were stood at the back watching, came and linked arms, and there was such a strength in the Holy Ghost that you just felt it. There was a people movement. But there was a locking of shields, a locking of arms, and a joint purpose and destiny of we are sealing something in the Holy Ghost at this moment. Tony opens his eyes. Now, I'm right at the front, and I'm looking at him. He opens his eyes, and tears start running down his face. He sees something there going, in my wildest dreams, I couldn't make this happen. So if there is a people movement that God is looking to do as he stirs the hearts, if it's your day and my day, you on your own will never achieve anything. But together, as we link and we join, do you know these, one of the funny things, if I'm talking to Pastor Tony, it's one of those funny things we'll say. He'll call it... Um, a Philism, or a Tony, well, credit to Tony and Phil, he'll put it this way. So we may be talking, we're at the gym, we're playing golf, if we're not arguing, Dave will tell you. We're in somewhere, we're doing something, and I'll make a statement. He'll go, oh, I like that. I'll put that in my book. And then he says this statement, as a man once said. You go, wasn't that me? Yeah, well, I've credited you by saying a man once said. <laughs> And then once you give credit to a man once said, he then goes, well, as I say, even though you only told him yesterday. And then it gets to, as I always say. So he's took what you said, said a man once said, I now say, and as I've always said. And he'll go, oh, it's a philism. It's a Tony philism, this. It's where you come in and I come in, they bleed into each other. But he says this, he'll say, Phil, Phil, Phil. We can achieve anything as long as we don't care who takes the credit. And I always go, but why is it always you? <laughs> Phil, Phil, Phil. And then he'll smile and say, one day, young Jedi, when you come to maturity, you too will have these moments. I said, just call it theft, Higginson. Just get it right. It's theft. You know it, and I know it. I was in Malaysia, sat at a table with Gordon Merck. And Gordon Merck turns around and he makes this statement. He says, Tony, when you preached in our church, on when was the last time you did something for a first time? And then, if you're going to make a mistake, make a new one. And Tony's like that, just eating. <laughs> and I look, sorry, sorry what, was, what was that sermon that he preached? And he says, uh, oh, if you're going to make a mistake, make a new one. And I just looked and he just went. <laughs> and, he, and he go, and then he'll just say this. We can achieve anything. As if to say, as long as no one gets the credit. So Gordon already sussed it out and figured out he'd nicked it. 
but it's, it's by the by. But the reason I say this and I play with you a little bit this morning is that if we build together and Dave brings strength to me that I don't have and I bring strength to him. See, one of the downfalls of the charismania, and this is the people who told us were never trying to do us any harm. They were never trying to sell us down some kind of dark alley. It was the message that went out. And that is, Dave, you are the man of power for the hour. Go and save the day. So everything became about one-man ministry, how everything's rubbish, but when I turn up on the scene, I can make things happen. That is never God's intention. So for the last 30 years, you're looking to strip out, Dave, I'm sorry about this, but it's not all about you. Together, we get the job done. Together, we take corporate credit, and together, we build him the house. So let's get to the bit I was actually going to talk about. Is that all right? 2 Peter 1, verses 5 to 9 is the scripture I want to use. I'm not going to labor it too much, but I'm just dropping it on your radar this morning. If nothing else, get from today that the Holy Spirit is stirring the hearts of men across the nations to re-emphasize the Great Commission for the transformation of cities and nations. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, to goodness knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, perseverance godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted, blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. So let's stick to the one bit. Add to your faith. So let's ask the question. When was the last time you even asked yourself, What do I need to add to me to make me better? I know that's deep, so I'll ask you again. When was the last time you actually asked yourself, what do I need to add to me that will make me better? I'll take it from your response, you don't. (laughs) Thank you. We need to change the priority order. See, the priority order falls like this. We can get caught and misconstrued in this one thought. The more faith I have, the more I will do. Tumbleweed moment. The more faith I have, the more I will do. So we keep asking for more faith. God, if I had more faith in this, then I would. Instead of taking what you have, the measure of faith you have, and using it to the measure you have today. Even if it's only a little bit, start somewhere. But instead we go, when I feel different, when I'm all pumped up, 
the next time we have an agents of change and they're all stood with shoulders together, that's the time I'm going to pray for nutcase Chris because we've got to deal with that. It's, it's doing me head in in a coffee shop. In all of this, we're trying to kind of build ourselves and puff ourselves up in a way to try and find the abracadabra moment when it's all going to work. But I'm sure you've never, ever felt like that. And you're not trying to build something up and going, <laughs> oh, so you've never been put on the spot, have you yet? Is that what you're telling me? When you're here and somebody rolls out the sick or you're in a situation or whatever and you suddenly go, if I breathe in and out enough, be being filled with a Holy Ghost, I'll convince myself of something in a minute. I never came to faith. I just tried to convince myself a bit more. And I'll let you into another secret. You know the secret of anything can happen if we don't care who takes the credit. That one. When two people go to pray for someone, and you both pray, and you've got half an eye open, and in your mind, in that split second, you go, was that me or them? All right, okay. There's only going to be Phil who's going to be honest this morning. So you go to pray for somebody, and somebody maybe goes out in the spirit, and you kind of go, was that, was that me? Well, I felt my arm felt a bit warmer than it normally does. And you're finding something to think, where was I involved in that process? Lord, it's all about your glory. Look, three of them fell over when I prayed. <laughs> Hey, I'm the person who is catching. They went I'm like that, going. But that's not you. I know that's not you. So we need to add to our faith. You know, the hardest thing for any of us is getting off the starting line. Just doing something. So we had this discussion, because I'm sure if it was in our group, it was in every group. Talking about, okay, when we ask the question, well, when was the last time you witnessed to someone? When was the last time you shared your faith? When was the last time you, you know, you patted your dog on the head? Whatever the question was, you started to ask. And then this starts to rise up. Well, are you saying that every person I meet in the street, I should witness to? And it gets bigger and bigger and all blown out of all kind of proportion. And it was like going, no, why don't I stop and just say every day, if I wake up with this in my heart, my God, I'm ready to talk to whoever you want me to talk to. Let's start there. And then I might have that moment where I feel that, do I need a we? Or is that the Holy Ghost telling me to talk to John? Come on. You get that thing. You get a tingle that you don't normally get because you're learning to walk in it and you go, do I need, what is it? Something just... I don't want to belittle what I've just said. <laughs> Whole <laughs> spade aisle three. But here's the, the point. When you're learning anything and God's starting to lead you in a certain way, there'll be almost triggers that you get. Now, you might think God's nuts. But I, ha again, you know, like when I said before, give me a scriptural example, and I said, well, what about Adam in the garden? Having weird bits. How God creates Andrew Duffield. You've never eaten with Andrew, have you? Good on you. Because he's not a lot left. But if you, <laughs> if you eat with Andy, Andy, how do you know when you're full? Shout it out. Andy gets a pain in his shoulder when his belly's full. 
I'll say that again. Andy's shoulder aches when he's full. So when I say to you, I go to do so, and I think, do I need a wee? Whatever is your trigger and how God gets your attention is how God gets your attention. Some people say, I've heard this many times, well, I've been in an environment, and suddenly my hands get hot. My hands get very hot. Some other people say, I feel that there's like the airs on the back of my neck stand up. I feel that there's something just, oh, hang on. Whatever it is, how God gets your attention, start somewhere. So what we do is we fall on that bracket and our grace bracket from this morning of saying, well, there's only me. How would you expect me to talk to all of Manchester? I didn't expect you to talk to all of Manchester. I expect you to talk to John when I say, why don't you have a conversation with John? But because you're a dipstick... That's biblical, it's in the Phil translation. Because you're a dipstick and you can't even talk to somebody you like and you know and you are friends with, when you meet somebody you don't know, you're always going to go, excuse me, John, I need a wee. And off you trundle because you ignore all of the triggers what God's saying. I'm trying to just be flat with us this morning. Is that all right? I could get spooky spiritual if you want, but I'm just trying to be at natural level so we can all get something. Is that all right? So what does it say? If I add to my faith, it will stop me from being ineffective and unproductive. But I'm not talking to anybody in here this morning who might be ineffective and unproductive. You liars. We can bury our heads in the sand and pretend it's not us. But guess what? It is you. And you might think, Think before you speak, Phil. You might think that by burying your head in the sand, no one knows it's there. But guess what's sticking up? Your big fat backside. Stop being ineffective and unproductive. Let's go right back to God saying this is a spiritual womb. But as yet, the baby has not been produced. It's ineffective and unproductive. Why? Because faith needs to meet the word and not just waiting for something to fall gloriously from heaven to see that something will change it and change me. Seven areas, full seven, as you can. <laughs> That's why Kev does the finance. In seven areas, in seven areas, you saw goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, brotherly kindness, and love. Four are already fruits of the Spirit. One is keeping in step with him, the godliness factor. One is learning to keep going the perseverance when everything else says pack it in. Every single one of us in our Christian lives get one of those moments where you push water up hill. God, where are you? When, why haven't you spoken? Why haven't you done anything? Where are you? In all of that cry, and he goes, you know I've not moved. Why don't you move towards me and we'll see where we go. I'll meet you on that journey, but start making your steps to me. Perseverance is what it takes. If you actually read any translation, when it talks about perseverance, it's always whilst under trial. Not whilst on your holidays. Not while sat there feeding yourself in the best restaurant in town. Whilst under trial, are you still going to make this thing work? But it's hard. 
Good. If it was easy, everybody would do it. But this is the bit I want to pick up on and make my emphasis this morning. If I add knowledge to my faith, it will stop me from being ineffective and unproductive. Found a brilliant scripture that is in the New Living Translation. This is not even the Phil version. This is the New Living Translation. So are you ready for it? I like this, and it made me smile. Proverbs 15, verse 14, says this. A wise person is hungry for knowledge, while the fool feeds on trash. A wise man is hungry for knowledge. A fool will feast on trash. So let's ask ourselves the question. When was the last time I asked myself the question, what do I need to add to me to make me better? So let's just say there's been an awful lot of junk food going on then recently. We're having a happy meal moment. So we start to ask ourselves a different question. And this is maybe where we have more questions than answers. So in this knowledge, in the knowledge factor, there is something missing in all of us. Skills. Now, we've even turned around and said, there's Pat. She's decided she doesn't need a wee. She is going to speak to John. But if she has no communication skills, is she going to talk? If she has problems with her own esteem, is she going to talk? If she doesn't believe and see the power of people connectivity, is she even going to speak to him? See, skills, we can turn around and go, Lord, help me in the Holy Ghost. I have all of this stuff, words of knowledge, wisdom. I am prophetic beyond belief. I have my own golden jacket. I've got it all going on. I've got a business card with Apostle Phil on. Or as Kev says, if you read sometimes on our website, we're having the Kevin's Night of Hope. All of these things are brought to bear. But if I can't even talk to you, what use am I? You see, here's a key for many people who can't talk to you. I stand over here and talk at you. So I talk at you because you can't respond to me, and I'm telling you now, and I've been on Facebook, and I'm on Twitter, and I'm on whatever I am, because I'm telling the world, Chris is a nutcase. See, I'm not talking to Chris. I'm talking at him and about him. So what we'll do is we'll say, oh, do you know what? You know what my ministry is? My ministry is Twitter. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Put it out. Who will follow me? No one. Response. I've had Google AdWords and I've spent a fortune. No one cares. We talk at people. We've stopped talking with people and to people. And this is the bit. Kevin and I will often have this thing where we'll, it sounds nuts if I say role play, but we have these moments of saying, right, Kev, social experiment. Why don't you take this and see how it works in a people group? And he'll say to me, why don't you take this and have a go at that? So why don't we mix it up a little bit, and why don't we talk to somebody, <laughs> you ready for this, like you're a stranger? <laughs> why don't you learn to start talking just to introducing yourself and saying different bits? There are two people, well, there's more than two. I'm sorry, Sheila, you're one of them. Three of them are from the same family. Shirley, Shirley, Paul, 
Tony, same family. Sorry, it's the same DNA. Yeah. And Kev. Are the three people I know better than anybody who can talk to anybody about anything, not say anything, but talk for the next half hour? Now, that is great because there's never, there's never a problem starting off a conversation. So I take an ideal with Kev. Been with Kev, been around, meets Lisa for the first time, and a conversation might go, I am Kev. Do you know, I've just been in Tesco, £7.80 for an organic chicken. But when you want to speak, you kind of go, now what scriptural verse shall I come from? <laughs> when I preach, should it be the message or should it be the New King James? Where am I coming? Why don't you just try being a person? Why don't you just try being a person and have a babble? You know, being a babble, just talk rubbish because it doesn't matter. Because you know half the time when they're talking, they're talking rubbish back. Just get on the page. Like we said, the hardest bit is starting something. And once you find your level, you're fine. Again, credit to Kev. I learned a skill off Kev. And I thought, right, I'm going to practice this. And he did, and he's Eddie. Because you know what it was then? Kev being a raving nutcase, almost I think he's related to Chris in some ways. We're walking around the park, and he'll just stop somebody. Morning, how are you doing? Is everything all right? I'm thinking, Kev, we're just chatting here. Morning, how are you doing? Yeah, okay, yeah. And then just carry on walking. What are you doing that for? He said, I'll just get a breaking part of that fear factor of meeting people new. I'll just say hello. I'm not wanting a conversation, but I'll just say hello to somebody I've never said hello to. Is this nuts? And then I'm in Tesco with him. Kev's got off there getting his organic chicken, £7.80. He's there. He's in Tesco's, and he'll just go, it's up morning. So how's your day been going? Is it real? And he's talking rubbish. It's not rubbish. But he's having a conversation instead of just standing there. Uh, would you like some help packing your bags? No. Get to the end. Put in your PIN number. Walk off. Learning to interact with somebody in a non-threatening manner and just going, oh, yeah, how are you doing? How's things gone? So I started. thought, I'll have a go at this. And it felt a little bit awkward at first because, you know, we're not French, but we have issues. And I went in. And I mean, Asda... <laughs> And I says to this woman, all right there, how's your day been going? Elbow in the ear from Ange. Who's she? <laughs> My instant response was, look, Kev said, whoa, 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 don't bring Kev into this. Don't bring Kev into this. It's Ange. I'm explaining. And all the married men said, yeah. yeah, that's why we stay in the car. It's safe. <laughs> but that tiny incident, and again, I don't want to try and belittle what we've said just this morning very quickly, about a skill that seems nothing is major to us because even being able to say hello to somebody you've not said hello to seems to be a huge bridge. But if you mess about in a completely safe environment to the bus conductor or whatever it is, just saying something to someone, you might actually say some sense to someone you do need to talk to. Is that all right? So we're adding to our faith really quickly. Understanding. So in our knowledge, if I come to understanding, both about yourself and about the Lord. Crazy bit. Have you ever figured out why you're nuts? 
<laughs> you didn't have to say amen, Sheila, we know. <laughs> have you ever figured out why you're nuts? Have you ever figured out that why you carry a certain pattern of behavior, that when you carry it on for a while, the wheels fall off? Have you ever figured out why you don't need connectivity? Have you ever figured out why I don't like men? I don't like women. I don't like dogs. I don't like you. I don't like anything. I only like me. Nobody loves me. Everybody hates me. Think I'll go and eat worms. Moment. If you know you, then you start to ask different questions. So if I don't talk to Dave and I feel intimidated about talking to Dave, why do I feel intimidated about talking to somebody else? Now, Chris is different because we know he's a nutter. But with Dave, he's more balanced. But guess what? Here's the good thing. When you go out and you start making a bit more of experiment in life and talking to people, you will find the nutter on the bus. Then the name of the game is how to reverse away from the nutter <laughs> without having a major incident and without hitting the emergency stop button. Because his ways in and his ways out. These ways of learning that when you're talking and all somebody goes, it's my turn, my turn, my turn. They never listen to what you say, how to take a conversation back, how to be polite, how to ask an open question. All of these things are basic skills and are open to every single one of us, not just those on the communication course. Because every one of us should be good communicators. Do you know why? Because you're not French. redefining of your life. If I have put my hands to the plough and believe that the, his word will be fulfilled and that he's talking to me, go and sort whatever you need to sort, but get started somewhere. I can preach for a week on that, but I'll make it dead easy for you. If I've put my hands to the plough, I'm in the field and I know that God is speaking to me, his word comes to me, and he expects a return from it, go and do something. It's even the president's kicking off now. Finally, revelation. If I receive the revelation into my own heart that the Holy Ghost is stirring the hearts of men across the face of the earth, why not you, why not here, why not now? We have said over and over again in Authentic that a subject unfolds subject, unfolds subject, that each of those that every month, we're all, do you realize we're almost two years in, in Authentic, that what comes at the end of that is your life and my life without excuse. But I prefer the excuse bit, that's because you're a nutter. I could be spooky spiritual and put it a different way. But the bottom line is, if you continually, if you say you're in the light and that Christ has set you free, and we rose our hands this morning, we said, my past has dealt with, my present, my future, it's all covered in the blood, we're moving on, I'm a noble and I'm not just a pauper on the floor anymore. We have all of those positions, then we go, but it's not me. Something's wired incorrectly. So when we said about the word came to Jeremiah, what did you hear? And you heard correctly. If you've been hearing incorrectly, start to put something right.
live a life of having a word with yourself. So, when somebody says something about, and there's a raising of a generation, and something negative rises in Dave, Dave instantly at that moment has got to have a word with himself. Yes, Dave, that does include you. Or else otherwise, it get, the word gets cast out and it gets lost. Why? Because I've already put a reason of why it can't be me. But then we get down to the final nitty-gritty of all of this. If there are missing bits, why? Why are they missing bits? And if they're missing bits, what am I going to do? What do I need to read? What do I need to take in? Who do I need to talk to? What skill do I need to apply to make things different? Because what is the perfect definition of insanity? Doing the same thing the same way and expect a different result. If you was a nutter this year with broken bits, you've got a head full of broken biscuits half the time, you're not sure whether you're coming or going, being 12 more months in the Dream Center won't change anything. You're just 12 months older with a head full of broken biscuits. We learn to apply, we learn to change, and we can and will add to our faith. For when we do, it will stop us from being ineffective and unproductive. Amen? Let's stand to our feet. <clears throat> Just forgive me this morning because <clears throat> my intention... Sometimes when I use an illustration, is not to be flippant in what I'm putting across. It's sometimes it helps just to grab you where you're at, gets your attention when your eyes are glossing over. Just grabs your attention a little bit. But if I can start to take out of this place this morning, is that one, his grace is sufficient for me, that my past and everything I've done has been covered by his blood, that he's stirring the hearts of men. Why? Because that thing called the Great Commission is still great. He's giving it a re-emphasis for a different purpose than just to fill churches. Then we've done our job. Is that all right? So come on, church. Let's just raise those holy hands this morning. <clears throat> we made the declaration right at the beginning that the enemy would not steal the seed. That if we have 30, it would be 60-fold. If it was 60-fold, it would be 100-fold. That we need the Holy Ghost to water is rain down on us to water that seed and cause it to produce results. So even now, just as so we've got our hands raised, if any of those issues have touched you this morning, and you say, my God, Father, I don't do connectivity right. Father, I don't talk to people. I don't make connections. Well, guess what? We're talking to you. Start right where you are. I have given you everything you need for life and godliness. Maybe we've got to say, God, I need some life bits. Lord, I've pursued the godliness, but yet I forgot how to be a person. I forgot how to be a friend. I forgot how to be somebody who can just say higher on the bus. My God, Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name that, Lord, as you stir in the hearts of your people, Father, not just here, but across the nations of the world, Lord God, I pray that you'll seal your word in our hearts. That, Lord God, Father, as we begin to pray and we begin to seek you, Holy Ghost, I pray 
Show us those skeletons in a cupboard. Show us what causes us to trip up in the dark. Causes, Lord God, to not live in fear, in trepidation of just saying hello to somebody I've never said hello to before. That, my God, Father, we have been so caught up with having gifts for doing power demonstrations that, Lord God, Father, we forgot the very purpose it was there for, that you will receive boldness um, by the Holy Ghost. I pray, my God, Father, for Holy Ghost boldness to come upon us, to push past our timidity, to push past fear, to push past every obstacle that will be in our lives, that, Lord God, we'll be able to speak, we'll be able to hear, we'll be men and women of wisdom, men and women of tact, that, Lord God, you'll train us, you'll move us, you'll call us to be the men and women that you desire us to be, to make our mark in a generation, to see cities transformed and to see nations changed. And the people of God said, Amen. 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 Well, bless God. Have a great week. We don't need to touch the chairs. Again, remember kids are on summer holidays. Uh, I don't know, should there be an announcement if anybody's going to...